Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Smash this month, MGMUA Home Video delivers one of the hottest leading men of the 80s in a provocative new action thriller. Pierce Brosnan is Taffin. He's a hero, a lover, a victim, a killer, and the man who stands between heaven and hell, good and evil. Hello and welcome to Smash Pod, a podcast celebrating all the Bond films and Bond-related films by those who enjoy, hate, or, you know, just aren't asked about them. Hosted by me, John Rain. It's side special time again, and this week we will be swaggering around Ireland with Pierce Brosnan as the mysterious taffin, action, excitement, thrills, adventure. They couldn't make it for this one, so we'll have to make the best of things. Maybe we shouldn't be podding here. Uh, so joining me to try and pep things up a little is comedian, writer and actor Adam Buxton. Hello. Yes, who can be found on Twitter, as you know, as Adam Buxton. Don't Hello. find me on Twitter. They will follow you anyway. What's what the point? waste of your time. What's the point of even announcing to it? To find me on Twitter. Oh, I found him on Twitter. He's going to go for a nap now. <laughs> Everyone follows you, surely. Mm. Well, you've got like 16 million point four. What do you um, look for in a, in a follow? I look for someone who will tweet very seldom. Mm. Those are the people I like to follow most. Yeah. People who almost never tweet. So what's the point? Like Steve Martin or someone like that. You know he doesn't I mean? tweet a lot. No. No. Or, or uh, who's the other one? Well, Bowie never used to tweet that much, even less now. Well, I was going to say, yeah. Uh, what's the point? The point is so you so you so it looks superficially as if you are engaging with the medium, mm. i.e., you're not just some person who just wants to trumpet their own achievements. No, you're excitedly reading all the tweets of hundreds, thousands of other people. Yeah, but no. engaging, engaging, influencing. I, I do engage a little bit. I don't engage with uh, abuse no. or sarcasm. No, why would you? Well, lots of people do. That's that's what most people do on Twitter, isn't it? I think so. Ian Lee, he loves it. Oh, he does love it. <laughs> yeah, he was on your show, of course. Sure, and I uh, I advised him then that if he wanted to improve his happiness rating, he would engage less mm -hmm. with sarcastic Twitterers. But he didn't take that advice to heart. No, he's embraced Twitter. He's embraced Twitter. it, even as it stabs him in the groin. Unfortunately. This is called a podcast. Sure. And this is something that we put out on the internet. Is it like a radio show? Kind of like a radio show. I mean, one day when you've got your own podcast, yeah. you'll understand the medium, I think. But is it right on the now, BBC? No, it's not on the BBC. It's an independent thing that people just put out themselves. Can They're I kind of, say fuck? You can say whatever you want. <laughs> Fucking hell. And we, we cast it like a pod. Yeah. And just put it out there. Wait, so. wait, wait. You lost me. Well, we kind of just like throw it 
into the ether and see if anyone picks it up. But we're here today to talk about important things. We're here to talk about Taffin. Let's do it. That's more important than anything. Now, Taffin is an amazing film um, because uh, one thing that you take from it as an ongoing theme throughout it is that I read that it's the first thing he did after the Bond thing fell through. Oh, really? So you can he seems pissed off all the way through this. later than I thought it was when I... Because I'd never seen the whole of the film before and I watched it specially for this. 1988. I thought it was earlier than that because I saw a clip of him... On Wogan, talking about Remington Steele, when I say yeah. him, I mean Pierce Brosnan, of course. Yes. Looking very attractive. I mm. definitely would have licked. I think I watched that last night. Is that the one where Wogan says to him, so I hear you're going to be Bond at some point? And he's a bit like, oh, well, you never know. Yeah, he was quite dismissive. And, and, and Wogan started by saying, oh, Remington Steele's doing very well in the States, but we've never really heard of it here. Yeah. It, it hasn't taken off. Mm-hmm. And um, Brosnan's pretty nice about it and sort of says, well, I think the BBC showed it and then dropped it. And um, Wogan could be quite a dick sometimes, he couldn't could. he? And he got, he got him very hot <laughs> under the colour and he had to take his coat off. Yeah, that's right. He was wearing a bad coat. Really bad. I noticed as he took it off, it had tassels. Yeah, it was, a, it was an old school bad new leather jacket with black leather tassels. Mm. It's not the kind of jacket that anyone other than a beautiful, beautiful man can wear. No. And luckily it had one inside of it. Yes, it did. <laughs> Otherwise, it would have been awful. But, yeah, so he, he was quietly confident, I think, because I think he knew. I mean, they at this point, he was going to be James Bond, right? Bronholm, yeah. Yeah, and then at the 11th hour, Remington Steele came in and went, no, we want you for another season, so he had to leave. So what's Bron- Bronholm's first Bond film? Uh, Goldeneye. Goldeneye. In the mid-90s. Right. Is that him sliding down on a violin case? No, that's The Living Daylights with Timothy Dalton. Dalton! Yeah. Oh, my God. You see, this is why I've not been on Smirchpod before, sorry. That's fine, it's fine. People get mixed up all the time about Bond because, you know, they're all the same thing. They are essentially the same. All of them. (laughs) But, yeah, so um, Taffin is the first thing he did post his life falling apart. And why did he get involved, do you think? Because it's not the script. No. Although there are passages where it threatens to come together script wise I think so I mean we'll talk about some of the scenes later I guess but there's one or two scenes which are not execrable no and um, especially when he's playing against Ray McAnally Mm. there's a nice scene with those two isn't it yeah yeah in the loft when they're talking about the sex loft the sex loft Mm -hmm. What's at the core of Taffin, this this, uh, conflict between his urge to duff people in for money and his principles. And he likes reading posh books. He does. What's the name yeah. of the book? I've got, I, I didn't a make a note of it because I thought it's just too brainy for me. Ray McAnally's character, Mr. O'Rourke. Yeah. Who, it turns out, was a priest. Yes. In, and, and Taffin went to seminary school. He did. This is... So you really get to the core of Taffin in this scene <laughs> midway through the movie. Mr. Yeah. O'Rourke visits Taffin in his loft. O'Rourke uh, it needs Taffin's help to uh, make sure that the local sports field is protected from evil <laughs> developers. developers. Yeah. And that's the basic premise of the whole film. Yeah. Taffin spoiler, spoiler alert. is found there... I mean, yeah, obviously, spoiler alert. Yeah. Even though I, I think with Taffin... <laughs> The concept is somewhat moot. Yeah. Um, Taffin is sat there drinking Guinness and reading a book called Morality and the Political Dilemma. There you go. (laughs) And Mr. O'Rourke says, still entranced by the same old intellectual baubles I see. (laughs) (laughs) It's wonderful. 
And later on, um, Taffin says, yes, well, the people of Gambia will survive without... He sort of drifts in and out of a kind of, you know, normal Bronholm somewhere English. Well, I was going to say, in that same Wogan interview, he says that he left Ireland in 1964. Oh, okay. So that's why I think he struggles to do an Irish accent all the way through. Right. So I guess he just didn't have an Irish accent. Yes, well, the people of Gambia will survive without my services. I'm doing what I can, you know. And then um, O'Rourke asks for Taffin's help. Anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're getting ahead because we need to start at the beginning. Sure. Where all stories begin, unless it's a Chris Nolan joint. Right. Um, but it starts off with music that sounds a bit like the theme to Shelley. But there's 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 whistles, panpipes, and rock guitars. Whimsy. Yeah, nothing what's going to... It doesn't warn you no. about what's going to happen in, in Tiffin, uh, Tiffin, Taffin. I know, Tiffin is what uh, autocorrect turns Taffin into. Someone calls him Tiffin later. That's right, yeah, they do in the to bar. Annoy him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is Tiffin? Is it's it kind t- of like a chocolate snack with biscuits in it and okay. raisins. But then some people use it as just uh, to say like a snack. Yes. Are we have. Uh, what some, came do, first, the snack people... or the phrase? It's oh, interesting. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Tiffin. What came first, the snack or the phrase? Today we've got Dom Jolly. He's he thinks it was the snack. Hello. It's a Hello! snack. It's it a... was the snack. That's what Dom Jones Thanks, like. Dom. Great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, you, you don't get name films anymore. What, and the credit sort of pops up and appears to set up Taffin as a classic character, yes. i.e., Pierce Brosnan as Taffin. <laughs> That's the credit. <laughs> wow. So, you know, it conjures immediately, in my mind, Thesps asking each other, have you played Taffin? <laughs> yes, yes, I, I, I did Taffin with Peter Hall at the National. In, uh, I saw Olivier's Taffin. I, <laughs> Olivier's Taffin was a classic. <laughs> Although he, he over-egged, I thought, the, uh, the, 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 the roguishness. I mean, the, the core of Taffin is the, is the uh, conflict between <laughs> the desire to drink Guinness and um, wear shades and, and to do right by people and also punching. Uh, yeah, Taffin. Uncle Monty saying, I never got to play the Taffin. That's right. Yeah. I will never play Taffin. <laughs> I'm too old. <laughs> I can't do this, the designer's double. This is ripe for a remake, though. I would think. With Colin Farrell. Well, have you seen the spoof? There's a nice little homage. Some Irish comedians, I'm assuming they're Irish. Apologies uh-huh. oh, if I've um, misspoken. Mm-hmm. And um, they call themselves Danger Farm, and they've done a... A, a spoof trailer imagining Taffin the TV series. Wow. It would and, work. Oh, man, it would definitely work. I mean, if anything, the film is like an episode of Taffin the TV series. It's kind of like Bergerac, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, because, another spoiler, at a certain point you see some female breasts. You do. Absolutely uncovered by cloth. Yeah. And it's a shock because you're in that mindset of thinking it is an episode of Bergerac. This I tell you an interesting fact about this film. Mm. It's rated eighteen. Yeah. Why? Well for breasts. <laughs> because as we all know, they're the most evil things in the whole world. The female breast. No, you can't see that. Uh also there's some swearing. There's some uh, F bombs. Not much though, is there? There's a few F bombs. There's some sexist banter from the actor that ended up playing Father Ted. Dermot Morgan. Dermot Morgan, yeah. Yeah. Well, the whole Father Ted cast's in this. That's right, yeah. Father yeah. Jack, he's in there. And uh, Todd Unctious. Yeah. He's in this. He's Taffin's mate. 
Um, but it starts off yep. with an uh, action-packed scene of the chairman of the Rotary Commission uh, saying that a butcher owes him money. So Taffin has to go and uh, go, get the money off of the butcher. Just write down who owes you the money. How long for and the name and address. What does that mean, how long for? Just how long write... owed it for. Right, OK. It, it decides how hard he's going to punch. OK. If it's only a week, he gives them a little stuff. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a month, he gives them a sock on the nose. Yeah. And it if it's only... a year, he chops the head off. Yeah. If it, if it was only yesterday, he just looks at them funny. Mm. Just raises his eyebrows. He gives them a style hard stare. Hard stare. Um, but he, I've written here, he swaggers like a tit salesman. Mm. He just swaggers around this film like he owns the whole bloody island. Yeah. He does, um, which he does in a way. He kind of does, doesn't he? He's their favourite son because he's wayward. We established later on he went to a seminary. Mm-hmm. People had high hopes for him. He did. He got disillusioned His somewhere along the way. His name is Mark. Yeah. He's a very good-looking guy. He He's is. basically a decent chap. But one thing he can't stand, and that is lateness with bill paying. Yeah. And he is willing to enforce that with punching, kicking, and sarcasm. Karate chops. Yeah. But he goes to this restaurant and he notices outside they've got a posh rover, which, you know, looks quite old now. This is quite funny. And he gets attacked in this restaurant. He comes in and basically throws his weight around. And then he gets attacked by Mungo from the Dirty Fork sketch in Monty Python. Is that real? <laughs> well, no, a guy comes out of the kitchen with a hatchet. Oh, yeah, that's and right. And dressed as, you know, in a chef's outfit. Yeah. And that made me laugh. And he beats them all up. He does, yeah. He beats them all up in a set that is clearly not a real restaurant. No. It's just a space with some tables in it, which always I, it makes me feel sad whenever I see that in a production, a TV show or a film, mm. you know, when they've obviously not been able to or decided not to actually film in a real restaurant. Mm-hmm. So they set some chairs up outside a building and act as if, oh, it's a... A restaurant with a nice outside area. No, yeah. no, it isn't. It's just a street and you've put some tables there. They've got neon lights, though. Yeah. It's fairly sexy. Yeah, it's the, it's a bad-looking restaurant. He beats the ever-loving shiz out of yeah. all these guys. And he puts his foot to his throat. He does. Says, here's a receipt for your car. He's standing on the guy's throat and forces him to sign the receipt for his car while he's standing on his throat. He says, I'll keep this until you pay the money. And he scribbles the guy. The guy goes, OK. And he signs it sort of on Taffin's shin. Just uh, This uh, is my desk. He says, can I lean on your shin? If you like. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> um, so then, yeah, he basically goes to the, the pub. And then he gets a phone call. And he's so confident that he answers the phone in the pub and, and reads the conversation out loud. He says, Paul Hall... How much does he owe? Two eight fifty. I'll collect it tonight, and then hangs up. Also, is that the normal way of saying two thousand eight hundred and fifty? I think two so. eight fifty. Gangsters probably say two eight fifty. Right. You know, like a, a monkey and a frog. Yeah. That's kind of how much it is. Um, you know, like a bag of hooves. Yeah. It's two eighty five oh. He owes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what? Two eighty five oh. Uh, okay. Um, you're missing out a scene where he helps a rock group. Oh God! Yes, it it comes back later on. It's just not a rat. It's not a random. No, no, that's after that scene because he goes to his loft and um, I've written here and 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 from the commitments are there needing help. Mm. And uh, they asked how this is the best bit of one of the you know that you've mentioned this when you played the maybe you shouldn't be living here clip, which we'll get to later. Mm. How it's badly edited, right? Yeah, there's a scene here with the rock group asking for help. They've been sold a dodgy van, and the guy who sold it has heavies, so they can't do anything about it. And he basically says, you know, well you're big lads, you can look after yourself. And they're like, oh let's go, this guy's a waste of time. And as they walk off, you see them, and then you get this voiceover going, wait a minute, 
I won't help you, but I'll tell you what to do. And it's definitely not Brosnan's voice. Uh, yes, I read that <laughs> he refused to do pickups and he refused to do ADR. Right. Because he wasn't happy with it. Mm. So I don't know if that's true or not. But yeah, you're right. There's there's several bits yeah. where they've just not even tried nope. to get anyone who sounds like him at all, which does add an extra air of... I mean, this is the thing. You have to remind yourself. It's all very well for us to sit here and be glib and say, ah, oh, it's funny, it's bad, blah, blah, blah. Mm. It's fucking impossible to make anything, let alone a whole feature film that fits together. Yeah. And it's just... A, unbelievable that there are any films that actually come out that are any good at all mm. you know the, the film industry is such now that it works well enough so that films yeah that looks like, that looks like a film yeah you don't notice that it's clunky but most of them are shit yeah. most mainstream films are a load of shit yeah and you'll realize it when they come out but they're but just because they're not as clunky as films used to be in the old days everyone mm. just gives them a pass yeah. But um, anyway, that's just a nod to how hard it is to make a film and how hard everyone, no doubt, worked on Taffin. Really hard. I'm sure they did. Yeah, well, they had to do their own pickups. Right. Exactly. That is hard work when your Maybe actor won't the, come back. It might be the director. The director, incidentally, is Francis... Ford Coppola. McGay, may he? I don't know. I apologise to Irish people for not knowing how to pronounce that. I, I think you did a good job. I could have Googled it. I don't want to be like the lady who How mispronounced you... Saoirse Ronan at the fucking Golden Globes and had the whole fury or of the John world. John Travolta at the Oscars. Oh, yeah, what did he do? He's, the lady who sang Let It Go. I can't remember how he pronounced her name now. Oh, yeah, and okay. I remember he goes, they're wonderful, they're delightful. And he says something like, Adina Medides. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's completely, completely wrong. I think if you've never said someone's name before, you've never come across the name, there's a good chance you're going to mispronounce it. What if you're John Travolta, though? And you're a bit crazy. Then you're going to really mispronounce mm, it. And that's what he did. I mean, the logic, obviously, if you were to be filmed saying it at an awards ceremony, then perhaps you could Google it first. And I suppose you could say that about being on what a What you could do is before the ceremony, you could take your face off. Yes. And swap it with someone who knows. Oh, mate. Get him to do the speech. Yeah. And then put your face back yeah. after. But is there any chance that Nick Cage would be more likely to... Uh, no, no, it'd be him. even worse. He'd really mad. He'd do it like a, with a mouthful of marbles, wouldn't he? Yeah, it'd be amazing. He'd do that double flip that he did on Wogan and throw money at everybody. I forgot he did that, yeah. That's, it's one of my favourite clips. a lot of Wogan chat on this podcast. It's sponsored by Wogan. Yeah. Yeah. Three times a week. He was the first person to ever do that in the UK, wasn't he? I think he was, yeah. Three times a week. You just thought, how much Wogan does one really realistically need? Well, obviously not three times a week. No. Because they ditched him for El Dorado, <laughs> which uh, is unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, you ever watch a... El Dorado? Uh, I watched enough to understand references. Welcome to El Dorado pod. We're going to yeah. do every episode of El Dorado now. I can say, um, Marcus, I understand that. <laughs> I was yeah. fascinated by the lady. She was a Spanish lady and she spoke like this and it was a very strange accent that she did and she would say, Marcus. <laughs> and I hear Marcus... In fact, Marcus Brigstock on mm -hmm. Twitter, that's his handle, isn't it? Marcus, Marcus yeah. which I imagine is a reference it to It must be. Yeah, yeah. I really like that as well. Marcus. Again, I was fascinated by that programme. I wasn't that fascinated. I was fascinated enough to watch it maybe twice. It was like, you know, when people used to watch the Grand Prix just to see if there was a big crash at the okay. beginning? I used to watch El Dorado just to see... <laughs> you, you weren't waiting for a sort of alien invasion plotline to suddenly... No. Okay. Could have happened. Would have improved it. Um, so where are we? Helps rock group. Yep. 
he tells them to go to the dealership and say, ah, oh, it's a nice dealership you got here. Shame if it burnt down. Yeah. And then the guy gives in and gives them a new van. Well, they jump into a van and then away. they drive off it. And they drive past Taffin, who's watching the whole thing in his open-topped Taffin-mobile with the <laughs> shades on. It is a Taffin-mobile, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And they drive past and they lean out of the window, <laughs> punching the air, going, it worked! It bloody worked! <laughs> Taffin smiles. He loves it, doesn't he? Yeah. We, we, as someone once said, we love it when a plan comes together. Sure. Yeah, and Taffin's a big believer in that. I don't know why he couldn't help. I get he did, he can't get involved in every single quarrel because it is ridiculous that the band, you know, they feel that they're getting ripped off. They bought a van. The engine is banjaxed, as they say. As they say, yeah. What are they going to do about it? Let's go to a debt collector. Yeah. <laughs> A violent debt collector. Well, they didn't have rogue traders in those days. No, I suppose. They should have got Matt. Was Matt Albright? He could have done it with that man who claimed benefits while he was still working on the show. Yeah. Had to get fired. Or Nick Knowles or someone like that. Yeah. Nick Knowles is kind of the taffin of TV, isn't he? He is, isn't he? He looks a bit like him, too. It's a sobering thought. It is. Um, so he goes to the pool hall, as, as mentioned earlier, to clip, pick up his 2850. Blues is playing. There is. And Alison Doody's working there. Now, what's she done before? Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Right. She's Elsa. Oh, that's an offensive You were as giddy as a schoolboy. Oh, my yeah. God. And that polished her off, I guess, did it? Pretty much. I mean, Oh, who she's knows? in a Bond film as well. She's in A View to a Kill for about 10 seconds. Oh, okay. Jenny Flex, she's called. Jenny Flex. One of the less sexist Bond names yeah. for a woman. Well, she's... She, she's uh, Although she's probably genuflecting so that she could administer some kind of oral pleasure, right? Probably. She gets the line about her, how he's an early riser. Okay. She gets that pleasure <laughs> from Rog. How have Bond fil- have Bond films escaped the kind of, you know, po- po- political correctness pogroms? Do you mean are they still full of filthy double entendres? I mean, are they viewed differently because of that? Oh, um, well, you mean historically? Well, no, it just in, in modern... Is it still okay to like Bond films? I think so. <laughs> because they're so racist and sexist, sexist. aren't they? Yeah, they're problematic. Yeah. Yeah. But they are viewed as nuggets of their time. They're viewed as art. Yes, art. Art. Yeah. You know, Rembrandt must have painted a few dodgy pictures in his time. Of course. I mean, this is a wider uh, debate, isn't it? But I just think with so much revisionism going on and so many people kind of boycotting this and that, I mean, Woody Allen's the obvious example. And he was in a Bond film, of course. Right. Yeah. Majesty's Secret Service. No. No, he was in Casino Royale. Casino Royale. He played Jimmy Bond. Did he? Yeah. That was his Bond's character's nephew. name. Yeah. Is that worth seeing that film? No. no okay. Not at all. Let's Don't go on. near it. It's a, it's an interesting artifact because you've got Sellers, Orson Welles, mm. David Niven, John Huston. Right. I'm not going to sit here and read off the entire cast, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's worth seeing just for that. But it doesn't hold, hang together at all. Sure. It's got about 15 directors because people kept starting and then quitting or getting fired. Sounds like a dog's dinner. It is a dog's dinner. Mm. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so we meet Alison Doody. I think she's called Charlotte. She's called Charlotte. Charlotte. And she is working for a Cockney man. Yeah. Les. Yes. He looks like a more heavyset Borat. He does. And he speaks with a a studied insouciance that is typical to the criminal fraternity. Wow. So he sort of says everything. He's just not polite. He is not. That's how it's He's all misogynist just like, as well. Oh, I don't care, you know. And he is a misogynist. Yeah. And he immediately sexually harasses Charlotte. Yeah. Puts his hand on her bottom, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. and says, oh, you know you like it. She protests that she doesn't like it. Stop, she says, and go play with yourself. Yeah. I'm working for you, that's all. Yeah. Les then re- replies mysteriously, <laughs> never mind that, 
concentrate on the books. What does that mean? I don't know. He wants her to do more admin. I think so. Sexy admin. Maybe she's cooking his books sexily. Oh, right. He calls his willy his books. Yeah. I've suddenly imagined Tina Turner getting sexy admin. Yeah. That'd be quite a nice <laughs> moment. Uh, yeah, maybe she does cook his book. Yeah. yeah. Doctor, I've got a problem with the books. <laughs> um, sorry? Yeah, you know, uh, with the books. There's a little uh, difficulty with the books. They're cooked. What are you talking about? You know, the books, uh, the old book, the book, the classic books. Have, can you have a look at my books? I don't know what you mean. I'm talking about my penis, my cock, my John Thomas, my fucking books. Have you ever heard anyone talk about their cock as their books before? No, I never have. All right, well, you're a fucking monkey. Mon mon monkey muppet. Look at my fucking cock and call it the books. I'm never coming back here again. This has been a very humiliating experience. That's what his life's going to be like. Yeah, and then, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Tip of the books. It gets it gets worse for him. Yeah, Les, <laughs> fucking Les, and Les is the one that calls Taffin Tiffin because Taffin comes in to collect the debt, yes. and the deal with the that what Les has done wrong <laughs> is is redecorated the blues bar, but he hasn't paid the bill. That's right. Which, as we know, is two eighty five o. That's the, that's the total. <laughs> And uh, Taffin looks around and says, and admires the, the decor. Someone's done a beautiful job in here. Shame he didn't pay the bill. He says something like, he says, someone's done a beautiful job here. I'd say it's about 2850 There you go, yeah. <laughs> An instant quote. Yeah. He should work at B&Q. <laughs> about two, two eight fifties worth, I'd say. <laughs> beautiful... Beautiful paint job. And he won't touch anyone else's drink, because when she pours a Guinness for him and his friend, who's Father Ted Unctuous from Father Ted, right? he says, pass him his drink, will you? Even though he's sat closer to him. Yeah. So I guess he's got one of those personal space issues that he won't touch anyone else's drink. Well, it makes sense. Germs, I mean, mm. you know, it's not sanitary. And then, yeah, as you say, he gets, he gets called Tiffin by Les. Now, look, Tiffin, or whatever your fucking name is. So, bang, fucking, 18. Oh. Oh, there you go. I mean, yeah. you know, you don't just you don't get an eighteen for just one fuck, but fuck fucking and calling your willy your books. Your books. That's yeah. eighteen. Well, the BBFC obviously knew about the books thing that we right. didn't. I didn't know about that. Exactly. They obviously thought, oh, that's a bit coarse. And then yes, fucking hell. Yeah. And then yeah. it gets very eighteen. It does because what does he do? He crushes a glass in Les's hand. Les is holding a wine glass and he swashes it. And Taffin puts his manly, violent Irish hands claws around Les's hand holding the wine glass, both hands, and squeezes, and there's a very strange sound effect of glass groaning. Yep, it doesn't sound right. It doesn't <laughs> match at all to what's happening. It's like glass, the sound of thin glass threatening to break. Yeah. And it is an unsettling sound, but it sounds more like perspex. It does. It doesn't sound like proper glass. Uh, and, and so it sounds as if he's just going to break a plastic glass. Yeah. And the best thing about this is he says to Les, give us, give us the money you owe us, basically. Yeah. And Les says, I haven't got it. You know, and then he says, oh, you know, and he starts crushing his hand more and he goes, get the box. Yeah. And they get the box. And how much is in there? 2850. 2850, exactly. At the end of this dramatic scene, I mean, it's a, it's pretty hardcore. And then is because the copy I saw was on YouTube. So it was Same. Uh, yeah. 360p or whatever. Yeah. And it was not possible at that resolution to see whether Les's hand was bleeding or not. It after. definitely isn't. Because the glass broke mm -hmm. 
very cleanly and there's just one chunk of glass lying there yeah they, you get a close-up of when taffin releases his grip yeah you get les's hand with broken glass on it. there's no blood no there's just a bit of broken glass so it's not very threatening no luckily see. les is absolutely fine because it could have been a nasty cut but he could have got his books cut off yeah oh mate that's that's the sequel <laughs> Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. But apart from showing us that Taffin means business and he is not intimidated by Cockneys who refer to their willies as the books, mm-hmm. he is also introduced in that scene to the beautiful Charlotte. Yes. Who's had enough of being treated badly by Les and asks Taffin for a lift. Straight away. She says, can I have a lift? And it turns out that by lift, she means sexual intercourse. Yes. Yes, and, and, and she, she gets in the car with him, and then he drops her at home, and he goes, I have to do some business. I'll be an hour. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, and he goes, oh, I don't want to wake you up. That's right. She says, she says do you want to come in? Yeah. Immediately, having met him five yeah. minutes before. I'd like to, but I've got some business to do if it's going to take an hour or so, is what he actually says. Yeah. So... I've got some business to do if it's going to take an hour or so. So is he, I think he's saying, I'd like to have sexual intercourse, Mm. but I do have to do some other stuff. So more than an hour of sexual intercourse is not an option. Yeah. Cut to them about to have sex. Well, she throws him her keys. Right. Which is an ultimate trust gesture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he goes back presumably does the business he does her in a corner did you notice that yeah they're standing by the bed yeah and he she's wearing a big um what appears to be a man's big white shirt yes and there was a time in movies where that was the paradigm of of sexual allure for a blouse a, a bl- well it's not a blouse a big it's, blouse it looks like a work shirt you're right you know what is. i mean like there's a certain type of male fantasy that has a woman wearing man's clothes as like the sexiest thing, like an outsized man's dress shirt, Mm -hmm. but nothing else. Ooh, you know, there was nothing else. I I couldn't find anything else to wear, so I'm wearing one of your shirts. Mm. But it's too big for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My boobies are falling out of it. Sorry. (laughs) You know, and wow, can you imagine anything sexier? And if it's a, a blonde woman with her blonde hair tumbling over the man's shirt... Wow, so much the better. She's wearing some lady pants underneath it. Yeah. So when Taffin roughly... Because first of all, she tears his shirt. She does. 
and two buttons bounce off it. That's right. As far as the sound effects are concerned. Yeah, it kind of goes pew pew. Yeah. Yeah. And then he takes that as his cue. Okay, you know, because he's a decent guy, basically. Yes. Right? He's not yeah. gonna, he doesn't treat women or anyone else badly unless they owe two eight fifty. So he thinks, okay, she's ruined my shirt. Now I'm going to ruin hers, or maybe it's mine. Mm-hmm. If she's borrowed it, he tears off her shirt. I've never. Have you ever done that? No. Because that's you're ruining a shirt. Yeah. No, you hear buttons fly all over the room. Yeah. There's yeah. no reason at all. That's just a nightmare. Even if you are absolutely, if you're so randy that you have to ruin a shirt, mm. then you should just sit down and think about everything i suppose there's the awkwardness in a sexual practice when you have to ask someone to remove their shirt then wait for them to do it the moment's going you have to be animalistic and rip the shirt off to hell with the buttons. why is it okay to rip a shirt off but you wouldn't think of doing that to a bra would you you wouldn't mm. tear a, i mean bra still has a clip you you unclip a bra you don't tear it off well there's no uh, no buttons on a bra to tear and be a man aren't there bras clips buttons? at the back are there but bras Aren't there front, front fastening button bras? Are there? I don't know. I don't know. I've never, I won't say what I was going to say. I was going to say I've never come across one, but that's a terrible thing to say. Um, and then they make love. But as I say, he, he does. they do it in the corner. There's a perfectly good bed there. There's a good bed. There's buttons all over the floor, and he puts her on the floor in the corner. He sink, they sink to their... First of all, she jumps up and wraps her legs around his waist, which yeah. is another very sexy thing as far as... Erotic. ...certain men are concerned. Sensual. But then it looks as if he just loses his balance and yeah. they just sort of tip over and sink to the ground. Well, maybe Taffin's only mate in the corner. You know, like how spiders yeah. won't go in a corner. Uh-huh. Maybe he's thinking... I'll go in the corner. It's safer because someone might shoot... Someone might burst into the room, shoot, shoot onto the, the bed. bed. Yeah, like in Miller's Crossing. Exactly. Yeah. So it is safer to do it down on the floor. He's four steps ahead of all of us. Uh, and then he takes her to meet his brother. Mo. Mo, yeah. Morris, the fisherman, played by Patrick Bergen. Patrick Bergen. Who's soon to be sleeping with the enemy. Right. Not long after this. That was, Sleeping with the enemy, just to go off on a small tangent, mm. was a very successful film, was it not? Yes. And it is dog shit. Oh, it's woefully bad. I mean, it's unwatchably bad. It's yeah. not as if I'm some kind of cineast who only watches brilliant, brilliant films. I'm not. I'll watch pretty much anything. Yeah. But that's unwatchably boring yeah, and it's shit. It's really poor. Anyway, so yeah, Patrick Bergen, who has the best line in the film later, but we'll get there. Uh-huh. Well, one of the best. There's, there's too many in this film. And then uh, he goes to Taffin, after meeting Patrick Bergen, he then goes to see Mr. Flaherty. Mm, at the docks. At the docks. And we never explain... I mean, this is a scene to show that Taffin is known to be a, a, a disreputable person. Yes, this scene demonstrates the core of Taffin's conflict and frustration with the way his life has gone because he goes to visit Mr. Flaherty. Flaktitz. Flaherty, yeah. Yeah. Who is... Is a businessman we can tell he's a businessman because even though he's standing in a shed that's just full of junk by the docks he's wearing a business suit he is that's where he conducts his business yeah and he is uh edgy because he doesn't want his employees seeing taffin this well-known roguish debt collector mm. um at his place of business and taffin hates that he does because he thinks like, oh, so you're good enough to use my services, but you're not good enough to be seen with me. And he's he gets, humiliated. He's humiliated and hurt, mm. which you think, if you're going to be upset about that, maybe don't be a violent debt collector. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's racist against debt collectors. Can you be racist against debt collectors? Sure, everyone's got feelings, as Taffin demonstrates. Well, someone on Twitter would tell you they're not a race, mate. They're a trade. <laughs> 
So you can't be racist against... Yeah, I'm, lo- I'm using the term loosely, but you know what yeah. I mean? It's like... Dentist. Well, he did say to Taffin, to be fair, mm. I could have come to you. Yeah. And then Taffin says, you said it was an emergency. But it becomes a motif in the film, the fact that Taffin hates being treated as if he's somehow shameful or embarrassing. There's also a large thing going through this film about everybody where he lives being incredibly ungrateful. Yeah, yeah. And forgetting very quickly. Um, I've written down here, this film reminds me, Roadhouse, if Dalton, Patrick Swayze, Mm. beat up everybody in the whole town all the time, but expected them to be nice to him. Yeah. Because this is effectively what he does. He beats up everybody and then wants respect. He doesn't beat, I mean, he doesn't beat up the guys in the local pub. I bet he has in the past. In Mr. Flaherty's office, Taffin Mm. says, Mr. Flaherty, it seems to me that cowardice is a terrible price to pay for respectability. Next time, collect it yourself. And he throws money in the man's chest. Yeah, he throws the brown envelope of money at Mr. Flaherty. Well, he's taking his 20% out, so it's fine. Uh Cut to the core, the main plot. Q, main plot. Mm -hmm. Taffin is at a sports field, Mm. watching a game of football being played by some children on a field. And he doesn't have children, and neither does his brother, I don't think. Don't think so, no. Don't see any children. But still, he likes children, they're nice, he likes football, what's not to like? Let's go and watch the football game being played by the children. Well, Morris asks him to help to sort out this road problem. I mean, to explain, there's a road problem, that they want to build a new road, and there's two fields, and they want to go through the sports field, because no one knows who owns the other field. Yeah. So Mo wants him to sort it out, and he keeps asking, he keeps asking, and then Pierce goes, I heard you, Mo! That's right. Which is a great line. But Pierce Brosnan, when he shouts in this film, he sounds a bit like, he goes a bit like, Mr. Bean, I heard you, Mo! I've got a clip. Have you? Whether they know it or not, they need you. On their own, they've got no chance. I heard you, Mo! <laughs> I heard you, Mo! <laughs> I heard you, Mo! I've got other, I'll send you these MP3s. Yes, please, that'd be amazing. I heard you, Mo! <laughs> It's almost a different language. It really uh-huh. is. It's like That was the beginning of um Back to My Roots by Otto One Odyssey. I don't know. Anyway. But this is what you get when you've got someone who isn't Irish playing an Irishman. Incidentally, mm. in case you want to sprinkle some more clips, uh-huh. here's uh, Les harassing Charlotte uh-huh. at the bar. Les, stop it and go play with yourself. I swear you won't go blind. Come on, love, you're mad for me, and you know it. I'm working for you, that's all. Oh, never mind that. Eh? Concentrate on the books. On the books. Anyway, you can, you yeah, you can sprinkle these. These are gifts for you. I heard you, Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. So Taffin then watches some shady businessman be shady mm. and then goes to meet Councillor Gibson at the pig auction and he knows that the new road is explained going through the sports field. There's another field called Railings Meadow which they should use but however no one knows who owns it and this is the crux of Taffin's problem in this film. Yes. So this is Taffin talking to Councillor Gibson uh, and basically laying out the plot of the film. It would seem a great pity to tear up the town's sports field when you have this field sitting right beside it. There's precious few amenities besides the sports field and Father Donahue's sermon in this town. There's one thing you're overlooking, Mr. Taffin. That is that we don't know who owns Grayling's Meadow. There you go. I like the way that Brosnan says, uh, (laughs) It would seem a great pity to tear up the town's sports field when you have this field. (laughs) 
the stress should be on this, shouldn't it? Yeah. On this field. Yeah. Well, you've got two fields. Don't tear up that field when you can tear up this field. But no, he decides to put the stress on the field. This is part of a running theme I found throughout this film where I think the director's gone, Pierce, can we do another take of that? And he's gone, no. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to the ultimate rendition of that later. But I heard you, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Taffin knows who owns that field and he's going to go, go and work on it. However, we go to Taffin's sex loft. Yeah. And we see his giant poster of Alex Higgins. Oh, that's who they are. I'm yeah. not a sport guy, so I didn't know. Alex that. Higgins, the snooker player, Hurricane Higgins. Oh, that's his hero. And later on in the same sex loft, he's got a picture of Dennis Taylor. Okay. The snooker player. You know, snooker. everybody did in the 80s where they wore their glasses upside down. Sure, sure. Him, yeah. Charlotte so Taffin loves his snooker. Is in bed in the sex loft. Mm -hmm. Taffin is making tea, into which he later pours whiskey. Yeah. And um, they have a, a conversation. They get to know each other. She asks Taffin if. If he's ever been to New York. Mm -hmm. In fact, she reels off quite a long list of countries and cities. Paris. He's never been to any of them. And they although he has been to London. London, yeah. Yeah, says, I've been there. You're going to go through the whole atlas. <laughs> yeah. And then Charlotte tells Taffin her story. Yeah. And the the reason she's it because we're all wondering like what's a clever, um, uh, attractive woman doing working for a sleaze like Les in his books. Yeah. And Charlotte's story is that she met a pilot. Yep. She was on a plane flying back from Oslo, mm. because she's got a bit of an accent. All over the place. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She met the pilot of the plane <laughs> on the plane from Oslo. She got to know the pilot, and they got on really well. I just wanted to say, I think you drove the plane really well from Oslo. <laughs> Thanks, mm. love. Thanks very much. Would you like to drive around Ireland for a while on a holiday? Yes, please. So that's what they do. But on the holiday, they have an argument. And then after the argument... The pilot drives off with her stuff and she doesn't have any more stuff and she's broke. And um, the incident was witnessed by Les, the bar owner, who gives Charlotte a job because she was broke and she felt she had to take the job because she was broke. Uh, to which Taffin says, hang on. Cemeteries are full of girls who took it because they were broke. Cemeteries and marriages. Which is quite a deep bit of wisdom. Cemeteries and marriages full of girls who took it because they were broke. Amusement parks and petrol stations. They're full of girls who took it because they were broke. Asda. Sandwiches and sharks. They're full of they're full of girls who took it because they were broke. I mean you could you could say yeah. almost anything. Yeah. Thermos flasks <laughs> and amusement parks are full of girls who took it because they were broke. It's true, isn't it? It's yeah. When you think about it. It's it's a I'm gonna start saying it myself. Yeah. All the time about anything. Girls who took it because they were broke. Would you like a cup of tea? Cemeteries uh, are full of people who like cups of tea. Cups of tea are full of girls who <laughs> took it because they were broke. And he is. I mean, he's sort of progressive in his own way. He, he, he likes to point out he's one of the early adopters of um, feminism in that respect. He's quite boring, though. He is. I would imagine if you were with him for a while, and it's no wonder the only job he can get is thumping people. Cupboards and buses are full of <laughs> women who took it because they were broke. Yeah, but he is very attractive. Oh, he's very attractive. But would this film have worked if he was Arthur Mullard? No. No. Oh, well, it was supposed to be in the book. Right. That's the character. In the book, the character is an overweight, ugly guy described right. as an unattractive. Imagine him going, cemeteries are full. Yeah, exactly. Fuck off, mate. <laughs> <laughs> cemeteries are full of girls. It took it because they were broke. Cemeteries are marriages. <laughs> Leave me alone. Get out. What are you doing in my house? Ugh. You're horrible. Do you want a lift home? No. <laughs> Not from you. You disgusting. I'm going to be an hour. Good. But at 
But an attractive man can mm. get away with all he sorts. He can say all sorts of stuff, can't yeah. he? So he goes to see Mr. Henderson, who we found out owns that other field. Mm. And he shoots at him. He does. Mr. Mr. Henderson shoots at him. Yeah, he's very cross. And and Taffin um, says... Listen, listen, this is just business, Mr. Henderson. No. That's Mr. Henderson. That's Mr. Henderson. It sounds as if someone's been shot and wounded there. Yes, it does. But that's just Mr. Henderson... Running. Um, ...trying to scare off Taffin by going... <laughs> that is how you scare off a Taffin. Yeah. It's in a book. I would be scared. Yeah, I would be terrified. Um, so then Taffin follows Henderson. He basically suspects Henderson is crooked. So he follows him and we see Henderson having a meeting with Mr Gibson from earlier, who I should have pointed out has got a very nice cravat. Mm, that's how you know... And he smokes a pipe. He smokes a pipe only in his own time. When he's on council business, mm. he looks more the everyman. He does. But deep down, what we what ordinary people don't know about Councillor Gibson is that he's a fucking cravat-wearing sports jacket guy. Driver's gloves, I bet. And we all know that people like that are up to no good. And Swedish pornography. Yeah, venal, just, they'll take any bribe going. They're just oh, yeah. fucking shitbags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And wherever there's one of those shitbags, there's a toff very close by. Mm. Fucking toff. Yeah. And, there's yeah. the, and they're all up to no good. All of them. But um, Taffin takes some pictures of Gibson and Henderson having their meeting. And we find out that Henderson's going to be paid from an account in the Cayman Islands. Yeah. So that's how we know that it's a lot of money. Councillor Gibson says, We can get ten times the price for it as building land, he says to the mm. owner, Mr Henderson. Just a couple more weeks and you'll get an offer from the Cayman Island company that you can retire on. Probably more than 2850. So, yeah, then Taffin... Uh, Mr Gibson arrives home to find Taffin telling a joke to his wife... Hobnobbing with Valerie. Yeah. But he, he, what I love about this is he insists on finishing the joke. Yeah. <laughs> and the way he delivers the joke, which you can't do, right? He says, anyway, and then the fella said, what will you be wanting with three of them? And the other fella said, ask your wife. And then as she starts laughing, he goes, hmm? <laughs> <laughs> As if to say, that's funny, isn't it? You can't do that. Why did the chicken cross the road? So you get to the other side. Hmm? Mm. Isn't that a version of what, uh, well, I don't know, Daro Brian does that. Well, he doesn't do it so much anymore, but he used to ah, uh, uh, yeah. do the noise. A lot of comedians do that. It's just a yeah. punctuation point. Brosnan goes, hmm? Mm. <laughs> I think it's good. I like it. But I'd like you... to see, I think because you'd have to be a very confident stand-up to do that. Poor but, form, though. But uh, I don't know. I think that's a he's invented a good thing. But, um, so Gibson uh, asks uh, his wife to leave him alone. <laughs> and he shows Gibson a pic of him and Henderson. And he says, what does that prove? And then Taffin says, you've probably got a clip of this. He says, proof is for judges and good whiskey, Mr. Gibson. Oh, yeah. No, I don't have a... I've, uh, my, my, my clips get a bit random. And then um, he says, tell Henderson the deal is off. And he says, why? And then he says, he's got pictures of Gibson and a young lady. Not a lot older than your daughter. Blackmailing the toff. Because yeah. the toff, he's got his... He's got Valerie, his wife, yeah. his posh pile. His children, we learn, are at private school. Yeah. That's a theme in this. That's a theme. All like, the kids in this are at private school. You know, it would be basically you can get anything you want off a toff by mm. threatening to embarrass him because for a toff, that's the worst thing that can happen is you get embarrassed because people at the private school and your other toff friends, if they find out that you've been having an affair with a young woman, of course, mm. in reality, most toffs would be like, good on you, mate. Yeah, yeah. Bloody great. How old is she? Yeah, lovely filly. Yeah. That's how toffs talk. They do, they do. And, um, but, at, but, but in, in the, uh, world of Taffin, no. 
that would puncture the respectability bubble to a disaster. It would. Extent. It would. It's the worst thing that could happen to Gibson. Mm. So then, he, um, then we go back to Henderson and uh, Todd Unctious, Taffin's friends, trying to talk to him again in the same position Taffin was in, where he's shooting at him. And Mister H- Henderson says, "Get off my land and stay off, you dirty fucker." You get off my land and stay off, you dirty fucker. You dirty fucker. <laughs> Much better. That's good, though, isn't it? I mean, yeah. there's, that, again, another strike for the 18 rating. Yeah. But that's a good bit of delivery from Mr. Henderson. It would only be better if he was attending to his books at this point <laughs> while he said it. Yeah. <laughs> You're dirty. That's what he calls it. Yeah. Les calls it his books. Yeah. Henderson calls it his dirty fucker. <laughs> Doctor, I'd like you to take a look at my dirty fucker. <laughs> what seems to be the... Pro- I don't... What? What did you say? My dirty fucker! You know what I'm talking about. Take a look at it. It's sore. <laughs> it's what? What are you talking about? My penis! Haven't you ever heard it called the dirty fucker before? <laughs> no, I never have. <laughs> Could you keep your voice down? <laughs> <laughs> but then they bully Mr. Henderson. Yeah. Because he then decides, after getting rid of Taffin's friend, he's going to go for to the toilet. His outside... He's got an outside loop. Thunderbox, yeah. Yeah, his thunderbox, indeed. And then Taffin turns up and starts knocking on the door and trying to wind him up. <laughs> and then um, he basically says to him, look, the deal's off, but you're going to have to sell the meadow, and we're going to talk to the council, and we're going to get the cheapest rate possible. That's right. Just to make him really angry. And Henderson leaves the toilet, and then they blow it up. They blow it up with, with a an RC car controller. Yes. <laughs> it's clearly a remote control yeah. for a car, yeah. for a little car. I was expecting that thing in the Deadpool, you know, that Clint Eastwood film with the little car with a bomb in it. Yeah. I was expecting right. that to come round the hill and into the toilet. That's right. You yeah. think, uh, I mean, maybe they've modded the uh, controller, I guess, but still. There might have been a little remote control poop in the toilet. <laughs> a little submarine. <laughs> yeah. But they blow the hell out of the um, the outside lab. Yeah. And Taffin says to Mr. Henderson, I want to hear that you've been to the council's offices or I'll be back and I won't be selling Reader's Digest. Yeah, that means he means business. Yeah. But I feel sorry for Henderson because that's his only toilet. I know. Where's he going to go now? He can't. He has an outside lav in the middle of a filthy field miles from anywhere. Yeah. So really, he could go where he wanted, and it wouldn't be a massive problem. Well, if someone sees his dirty fucker... His dirty fucker! I don't want anyone to see my dirty fucker! <laughs> now, I, now everyone's going to see my dirty fucker, because you've blown it up with your remote control car controller. Yeah. Uh, the way he corrected himself there. Yeah. He's still got the... He's not insane. He's got the presence of mind. Of course. To realise... He's pretty together. Yeah. But this reminded me, at this point, it feels like it's Get Carter that's been written by an accountant. Uh-huh. Because it's got that kind of, like, there's menace here, but it's about a field. Yes. Well, presumably, the director, the writer, I don't know, um, would have studied classics of the genre you think yeah i mean it's there on the screen isn't it Mm. because beat by beat there's not too many spare scenes no there's not that many scenes where you're thinking what's the point of this every every scene does a job yeah every everyone's lifting taffin's got a leather jacket yeah so he's seen a gangster film no tassels though no no they saved that for wogan 
Yeah. Uh, but we find out that what's being built is a chemical plant. And so this is the thing, right? Taffin ticked his box, right? Yes. He was tasked with making sure the road doesn't go through the sports playground. Tick. Not going to happen. Yeah. Then we find out there's a chemical plant. Then suddenly they want his help again to make sure there's no chemical plant going to happen. Cause yes, because at his... first we just thought it was some development was happening yeah. and the council were planning to connect this proposed development to the main road across the sports field. That's not a problem because they're going to go through the uh, Mr. Henderson's land now. But, yes, it turns out that Charles Sprawley, who is the evil... Ubertoff developer yes is intending to build a chemical plant right mm. there in the beautiful Irish countryside yeah so O'Rourke who's played by Ray McAnally who you mentioned earlier yeah he starts complaining at a council meeting and he is, he's evicted from the meeting that's right and then he gets bullied like in a really childish way by the baddie whose name I never caught no I just couldn't figure baddie. out Trenchcoat Man I call him yeah he's bullied his shirt's thrown in a puddle he gets shouted at yeah. it's very mean it is mean he gets that's right he's, he's just picked up a shirt a nice folded shirt in a brown paper bag yeah which probably means it's got pornography on it i guess yeah sex shirt <laughs> and then one of the heavies one of sprawley's heavies who uh we know he's a baddie because he laughs all the time <laughs> every time he turns up he goes <laughs> before he starts speaking mm-hmm. comes into the pub <laughs> i mean literally he's yeah. always laughing this guy he is he loves a laugh and yeah, he just totally disrespects um, Mr. O'Rourke and his and his shirt in the paper bag. Yeah, throws it on the floor. Basically threatens him and says, listen, shut up about the developing the... Um, we really, really want to develop a yeah. chemical plant. It's really important to all of us. We love chemicals mm-hmm. and we want to develop the hell out of them. So please stop causing trouble. If only he was that nice. Yeah, I mean, probably, that's all he needed to say. Probably everything would have been fine. Yeah, because O'Rourke would have responded to that. Okay, uh, I see what you mean now. Yes, chemicals are fun. Okay, fair enough. So O'Rourke goes to the sex loft and speaks to Taffin. And it's that scene you mentioned earlier, because Taffin's reading his brainy books. And Charlotte's secretly listening in, but we don't find out till later why she didn't mention that she was secretly listening. And so then Brosnan... Oh yeah, here we go, look. So this is O'Rourke in Taffin's sexy loft, mm. trying to convince Taffin to help the local community out and do something about these evil chemical refinery developers and saying you know whatever happened to you taffin you had so much promise back in the seminary you were the guy that asked questions when everyone else just wrote down what they thought was the answer you were the one who was actually thinking for himself and look what you've come to you're just a debt collecting man taffin doesn't like hearing that and um so this is what he says yes well the people of gambia will survive without my services i'm sorry they'll never know what they missed about you i'm doing what i can you know i'm doing what i can you know i'm doing what i can you know he fucking just has fun with a line brosnan i mean the only other actor that really comes close is nick cage yeah as far as exploring the possibilities of a piece of dialogue pierce wasn't like this again no that's i can't think of another performance he's ever given as weird as well this. thereafter joe my comedy wife always would point out that he then relied on a lexicon of grunting yes oh yeah he does he's a good grunter yeah and uh, <sighs> yeah making noises and that's how he sings in Mamma Mia as well yeah which I've never seen you haven't seen it I haven't is it worth seeing no but you could just look on YouTube at Pierce Brosnan singing SOS better or worse than sleeping with the enemy Oh, it's better than Sleeping with the Enemy. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's fun. Joe's dad loves that film. Sleeping with the Enemy? No. <laughs> Mamma Mia. Right. It's a very weird... And Joe's dad is a cineast. 
Is he? Yeah, he he loves his um, foreign films and uh, film classics of all stripes. But he absolutely loves Mamma Mia. I say but as if Mamma Mia does not count in the canon of... Is he excited about the sequel? <laughs> I didn't know Mamma Mia, Here one. I Go Again. Is that real? Yeah, and it's a prequel. Whoa. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah, I would imagine he's fucking excited. Yeah, how many ABBA songs have they got left? Loads. Do you reckon? Yes. I mean, that people know, I mean. Loads. ABBA's Greatest Hits is a giant three-volume fucking behemoth of a thing. I suppose it is, yeah. You know, ABBA Gold is the tip of the iceberg, and that's 25 tits, tracks then. or something. I wouldn't use that. ABBA Gold is the tits. <laughs> Put that on the front of the CD. It's the breast. Um, but yeah, it's worth it for Pierce Brosnan singing. He sounds a bit like a foghorn. Uh-huh. Everyone in it's having fun. That's what's quite nice about it. Yeah. But anyway, so O'Rourke puts on a protest with father, the actor who played Father Jack, Frank Kelly. Okay, yeah. He's the barman in the pub. He's in the protest. He makes a speech to a load of demonstrators, doesn't he? He does. And Baddy, in the trench coat, he blocks the alleyway with his jag. That's right. Yeah. The demonstrators are about to... They're carrying their placards. They're walking down a narrow alleyway Very to, narrow. Get, to get to the town square. And they can't square. possibly go another way. No. No. And the man, the baddy man, the ruffian man, parks his car right in front of the alleyway. <laughs> so they immediately just climb over the car. Yeah. And he goes to make a phone call. Yeah. And then they go, well, listen here, you'll have to move your car. And uh, he basically tells them to, he's not going to. I'm not going to move my car, even though he's not. And then you hear, bleep, bleep. And you turn around, Taffin's driven it down the road and just left it there. In the middle of the street for yeah. a cop to find. And he goes, ah, I know the guard. The guard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guard, don't, I, uh, stop it. And then the guard but, says, is this your car, yeah. Sarah? I'm going to give you a ticket. And then Taffin and his friends go for a lovely meal. At the Philip Healy, yeah. the local bar. i also written down here at this point, Taffin, the way he behaves, it's like he's a human form of a Chuck Norris meme generator. Because mm-hmm. he's like super tough and nothing can stop him. He's mm. like, but unfortunately, as I, re- as I wrote that down, he gets beaten up. He does. Yeah, well, he's, yeah, then it gets, it's quite a nasty beating he gets. Mm. Uh, nastier than you would see on Bergerac or something like that. Oh, yeah, that's probably where the 18s come from. Yeah, I would yeah. say. And also, they leave the local bar, the Philip Healy, mm-hmm. with their girlfriends, Taffin and his sidekick. Charlie. Whose name I never pick up. Is it Charlie? Oh, Todd. I just call him Todd. Todd. Because he's Father Todd Anxious from the Father Ted Christmas special. Oh, I see. Special. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah, so so t- they, they leave um, Taffin with Charlotte, Todd with his girlfriend. They're talking about going for a Chinese, aren't they? But they never make it because no. they get absolutely beaten A flatbed lorry turns up. And some yobs jump out. Heavies. Not half. And he gets really a bad beating. And the the great thing, obviously, about the beating is that then Taffin must retire to his loft Mm. with his shirt open. Doing some weights. To do some weights, and he has to put on sunglasses to cover up his bruises. (sighs) Yeah. Meaning that he is ready to deliver one of the all-time great lines Mm -hmm. in an argument that he then has with Charlotte. Yes. Because Charlotte is telling him at this point, look, this has gone too far. You're getting beaten up. We didn't even have Chinese, and they beat you up. So you should walk away from this. And Morris tells him to as well. Right. Everyone is telling him, like, come on, this is crazy. Mm. Walk away. But Taffin, no. He doesn't want to see that chemical plant built. Mm. There's no way he's walking. He's a man of principle. And she says, um, well, we know what she says. Here's the moment. It's like talking to a brick wall. What the hell do you know? What is this, some crappy macho prerogative? A topic women can't discuss? What goes on in this town is none of your business. As long as I'm living here, it is. Then maybe you shouldn't be living here! (laughs) Was that really the best take? Really? Honestly? Yes. If you were the director, would you have thought, perfect, print? 
Definitely. No, he goes on for about 10 seconds too long. It's great. It's f- totally left field because he's <laughs> thinking there's so much in that line because obviously I've heard it many, many times. Of course you have. Um, well, someone did a, a cut where they'd made it even longer, didn't they? Oh, man, people manglerized it and remixed it. And, and I read I read some blog post that someone had written online saying, oh, after it became a meme because Adam and Joe played it on the radio. And by the way, of course, we were, we were talking earlier about where, who first noticed that it was so brilliantly delivered. It certainly wasn't me and Joe. I heard it from uh, the actor Justin Edwards and uh, Dave Armand um, backstage at a gig at the Albany, or I can't remember where we were. But they said, oh, man, have you ever seen this? And they showed me the clip on their phones. And I remember I was knocked out. A, that you could watch a clip on a phone back Mm. then, because this was only a few years ago. But even then, I was like, wow, you've got a good phone. Mm. I can't watch clips on my phone just from YouTube. Anyway, and I said, oh, wow, that's hilarious. Can I do you mind if I play it on the radio show? And then we me and Joe had a a show on Six Music and we played it that weekend. And um, people really enjoyed it. And then and then it sort of became a bit more viral, I guess, from there. And yeah, people did all sorts of jobs on it. But someone wrote on a blog that, oh, someone had re-edited the film and, and, and made that weird little snip. So he doesn't actually he says, what goes on in this town is none of your business. Yeah. Yeah. But no, that's how it is in the original that's film. That's how it is in the original film, yeah. yeah. I've, I've got the DVD of this as well, and I've watched it on there, and it's the same. Yeah. Uh, but I should say, the person where Justin got it from, because I went on a chain. Uh-huh. Because I, re- I initially spoke to you about this a long time ago, mm-hmm. and then I spoke to Justin, and Justin told me it was a chap called Thomas Blythe, so I'd like to say... Well done, Thomas Blythe. Thank you, Thomas, for giving us the gift of, well, maybe you shouldn't be living here. He was patient zero. Yeah. Then maybe you shouldn't be living here! So there you go. So next, after that incredible scene, while we're all getting our breath back after that long use of the and, word and here... And to address your question again, though, whether that was the best take, I mean, gosh, it would be lovely to know if there were others, wouldn't it? I bet there weren't. I bet, like you said earlier, I bet he was just like, no, that's it, that's I all th- I'm doing. Uh, but, but I think that his frustration with the production, I'm projecting this, maybe he had a wonderful time, but I, I have heard stories that he was less than happy with how the film turned out and I can imagine that you know it's one of those things you get yourself into it and you think it's going to be fun and Mm. I don't know what and then you just think ah fuck I'm locked into this thing now I can't get out of it and I would imagine that he expressed his frustration and by by doing some of those great line readings I think so yeah and by not turning up to do his pickups yeah yeah so they have to get the man who sounds nothing like him to do his pickups even though can you imagine if he'd gone and done the ADR whoa there would have been some even more amazing lines <laughs> he put all sorts of voices yeah. I'm going to do this bit like the Swedish chef from the Muppets <laughs> I'm going to do all my lines Jamaican today <laughs> please please don't Pierce <laughs> poor Pierce as I say I think, I think the bomb falling through thing hit him hard in this film I think you know as well to be serious that he's he probably I've probably said this banal thing before but um he probably suffered from being too good looking like too i mean he's just straightforwardly beautiful oh yeah but like male model beautiful mm. rather than leading man interesting beautiful you know what i mean mm-hmm. he's just beautiful rather than handsome mm. he's great great looking mm. 
but he does just look like a um, you know Zoolander type male model, Blue Steel. <laughs> he does Remington Steel, and and that must have really rankled. And I imagine it did probably shut down some of his options as a as an actor. You know, it's mm. generally we think of women as the people who bear the brunt of that treatment and whose options are determined purely by the way they look. And but I, I, it must happen to attractive men as well. Well, I was, I was going to say until the actual Bond gig came along in '95. I mean, I remember him being in Mrs. Doubtfire. I don't remember him being much else. I mean, Mrs. Doubtfire is effectively right. eye candy, isn't he? He's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. A, a rival who's very attractive. Yeah, and he's good in that. That's a strange film in lots of ways. It's a very strange film. Yeah. Have you ever seen the trailer that someone's cut to make it look like a horror film? No. It works very well. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, there's very odd odd beats in mm. it that don't really make a lot of sense um, emotionally. Mm. <laughs> I don't know how you could ever carry on as a family after that came out as a fact. I know. It it would be deeply, deeply traumatic on all sorts of levels. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so then the baddies come into the... Oh, sorry, the protesters burn down the billboard as if that's going to stop the factory being built. Yeah. And um, the baddies come into the pub. It's, again, though, prefiguring, surely, mm. three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I thought of that as well, yeah. I mean, it's clearly where they got the idea. Absolutely. Yeah, they wear it on their sleeve. They burn down the billboard... And why, though, was it necessary for the company to... Is that just standard practice when you're building an unpopular refinery? I think it is. I think it to is, erect yeah. a giant billboard mm-hmm. announcing the fact? Uh, so the baddies come into the pub and start to cause trouble. But the thing that struck me about this scene is that they ask for three pints, and it's £3.96. For three pints. I mean, they're probably watered down. Probably. Uh, it's a dodgy pub. It's, it's really... Uh, I wouldn't want to go there. They go in the pub, yes. and they get intimidated, and they all go to the toilet together. Yep. And the baddies come in, and one of them starts starts weighing on one of them right that's right and patrick bergen says this line when he sees a man weighing on another man in a hostile manner wait a minute you can't do that (laughs) i thought that's kind of obvious isn't it not really that's before patrick bergen is punched and he slumps down into the urinal resting his head on on the um pp ceramic surface the pp soaked ceramic surface not nice at least the, those mints didn't go in his eyes or something, you know, this... Right, the toilet candy. Toilet candy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Poor Patrick Bergen. No, it's a shocking scene. He's in EastEnders now, isn't he? Bergen? Yeah. Is he? Apparently. So, there you go. So, they want Taffin now to sort out the baddies. And he's a bit pissed off about it because he's done his bit. Yeah. It's and back to the docks. Yeah, he says, you know, this this can only go one way. And he said, oh, for God's sake, don't kill anyone. And then he gives this whole amazing speech about a punched eye, fine. A broken nose, not, not a problem. Yeah. Slit throat, all right, no worries. He runs through all the possible violent scenarios. Yeah. We're asking you for help, Mark. My help has consequences. My help (laughs) has consequences. My help (laughs) has consequences. Let's try that again. My help has consequences. My help. It's almost like he's saying my wife. Has consequences. (laughs) Yes. My wife. That's more like the Borat, my wife. It is. Our one is a robot man. A robot man. My help. Again, having fun with the lines. Yep. Do it again, Pierce. Nope. No. <laughs> Pierce, you you said my help. That was great. We got that. Can we try one where you say my help in just a more, I don't know, normal way? No. No. No! <laughs> <laughs> what goes on in this film set is none of your business. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so basically Taffin's going to help them. Uh, and the best bit is that we hear from the um, the new associate uh, who's been brought in, yep. the, the big baddie. 
And he says he's, he's not to worry about Taffing because he's got friends in the police force. He said, in fact, I entertained them recently. Mm. And you think, oh, what, you took them to a pub or a club? He took them to Vegas. Yeah. That's a bit extravagant, isn't it? That's sprawly. He took the whole police force to Vegas. He's got deep pockets. That's why they love him. Blimey. Come on. If someone took me to Vegas, I'd let them do anything. Would you? Oil refinery in the backyard, no problem. Yeah. Vegas, fucking great. Bear it in mind, everybody, if you want to bribe Adam, Adam Bucks. Exactly. I will literally Vegas. do anything. The rest of the time, I'm a man of high principle. Of course. Uh, so Pierce goes to see Alison, and this is where they do go to the strip club. Yes, disgusting she's now She's now working. Is this back at the snooker club? Is this Les again? She's working as a barmaid again. It's a different bar, isn't it? Is it a different bar? I think it is, yeah. Okay, yeah, but yeah. She's, she's gone got, back to the same job. She's got a job this time. She's not working for sexist Les. She now works in a really sleazy strip pub yep. with Dermot Morgan as the MC. Yeah, it's just to get the Father Ted bingo going. The stripper takes to the stage, I've written in my notes, and exposes first her left breast, yep. then the right one, and then pushes, and then approaches Taffin and his brother Mo, and pushes Mo's head between her breasts. Mm. Taffin laughs. Yeah, and it's a so you know. Eighteen. It's a shame because previous to that point, I had total respect for Taffin as an enlightened, principled hooligan, half hitman, half monk. But at that point, you're just like, mate, come on. He should. I was hoping he was just going to shake his head and go, no, no, that is not cool. Mm. Come on, listen, do up your shirt. You've got other options. But then, you know, I was talking to John Ronson about uh, pornography and sex workers and the lives of people in that industry and was reminded by John that, you know, they deserve respect and understanding too if they want to do that. Did, then, he, did he mention Taffin? He didn't mention Taffin specifically. Right. But I'm pretty sure he was thinking of that scene. Yeah. Um, so, Demma Morgan, as we say, is the MC, which is cool. And the stripper, I noticed that she comes out strips and then the next time we see her, she's got clothes on again. Does she? Yeah. Well, she's ready for that. It's just the matinee. Okay, fair enough. I'll get fair ready enough. for the other one. Um, so the baddies notice Taffin is in the club and uh, they go to make a phone call to grass on him and Todd comes out with a sawn-off shotgun and takes two of the baddies' baddies and throws them into the rock band's van. The rock band reappear. Yeah. That wasn't just a random scene. No. 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 That's not what... This, this film... It was, was like a, a foreshadowing. Yeah. This film is like a beautiful Swiss clock. Joseph Campbell saw this film and said, fucking hell. Yeah. Yeah. So the, th the rock band are back. Yay! Yeah. And as you say, yeah, bundle the baddies into the back of the van and pour petrol on them. Yeah, he tells one of them to light a cigarette. Then exactly. he puts them in and the other goes, put the cigarette out, I'm covered in petrol. Yeah. Dangerous. Plus you shouldn't smoke. Yeah, it's really, really bad for you. Have you not seen it? It's emphysema. Have you, have you not looked at the back of the packets? They have that chat, I'd imagine, on the way to the, yeah. the woods. Ah, it's okay. I got the guy who's just got impotence. I don't really care about that. But what about the fellow with the great thing growing out of his neck? <laughs> Ah, that's okay, too. He just looks silly. What about the fellow who's lost his dirty fucker? <laughs> because of smoking. Um, so Taffin comes out, and the baddie in the trench coat's there, and he gets in his car, and the guy goes, I want to talk to you. And then Taffin goes, is that your car? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, I thought so. And then he drives into it to get him to chase him. Yes, and he hates it. He, he loves his car, obviously, the, the baddie. So he certainly does chase Taffin. And then they have a punch-up, and Taffin knocks him out with a big punch, and they just leave him in the woods. And then they get the other baddies that they covered in petrol and they chuck them in a river. Yeah. I don't know what's accomplished by doing this. 
Well, they humiliated them, didn't they? These guys are just going to come back. I mean, have they seemed at any point in this film to sort of let things lie? I think, though, once you've been chucked in a in a shallow pond, hmm. you pretty much know it's over. Do you think? Yeah, I yeah. would think you'd get home, you'd be all wet, there'd mm. be some grass on you, and you'd think, fucking hell, what am I doing with my life? But at this point, it needed a, like a fight with a ninja or something, didn't it? Yeah. To spice it up a little bit. Taffin could have beaten that guy, and then suddenly out of the shed, a ninja goes, what the... <laughs> <laughs> he has to fight him that would have been really good it would have made it worth seeing and to justify the 18 he could have like ripped his guts out with a knife or something right you know like in Roadhouse where he sure tears took, his throat out yeah do that sort of thing love it because you know Taffin's a Taffin's a man who could have read all sorts of anatomical dictionaries indeed known where to hurt a man I'm just gonna I'm gonna perform some surgery on your legs so that you won't be able to use them conventionally I'm gonna rewire your nostrils <laughs> But after doing all that, Todd Unctious, his friend, chases a lady with... You know, he's got a balaclava on. And she gets in Mr. Martin's car, who's like the head counsellor. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, oh, I feel really safe now. And then when they get to the town, she starts screaming and saying that he's raped her. So is it Charlotte? I thought it was, but I don't think it is. It it's looks someone, a hell of a lot like her, though. It's someone it? who looks very much like Charlotte. Yeah, I was confused as well, because I, I watched it on YouTube today. And she drives off with, with Mr. Martin, yep. the, the toff, yep. and says he was going to rape me, and then, ha-ha, Mr. Martin is arrested by the cops for attempted rape. And then he gets home and Valerie doesn't really believe him. Right, yeah. And then Taffin turns up at his house. And again, he's got kids at boarding school, yep. just like Mr. Gibson. And he basically offers him a deal. He says, if you call it off, then I can make this all go away. So he rings up the associate and says, building's got to stop. Apparently they've started. And then he says, I've just signed a confession. Yeah. Why would you do that? I've signed a confession and if it gets out, it's going to put us all behind bars for a long time. Yeah. Why would you do that? Well, he did it because he doesn't want his child, his public school children embarrassed. This is another made up blackmail charge of rape, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't want his he doesn't want everyone to think he's a rapey raper. So next thing, the town celebrates or he tells Mr. Martin to take if I were you I'd take a break. Yeah. The diggers immediately move out. Immediately. And the town celebrates and they said and they all sit in the pub really happy and they say did you did we agree to pay him? And then someone says, "Oh, we didn't agree on a price." Mm. And they were going I think they were going to let it go at that point. And then someone says, "Oh, we should do something." And the publican the, says, "I think I've got the answer." Yeah. Thank you, Taffin Fund. Yeah. And it turns out that they take a collection um, to, to, to thank Taffin, indeed. This is a Smirchpod service announcement. Unfortunately, at this point in the recording, there was a technical issue with the microphones. Luckily, Adam and John stayed around and joined each other in the bath for the remainder of the recording. We apologise for the difference in the sound. Cut to the high-rise office of Charles Sprawling. Yeah, he's going to call a hitman who looks like Paul Nuttall. Um, but then we instantly find out after calling the hitman that Martin's house, has, Mr. Martin's house, yep. has burned down. And everybody is, him and Valerie are dead. And of course, everyone thinks it was Taffin. And he says, they think I did this. And he drives off. Um, back to Taffin's loft. Well, no, no, first of all... His office. Yeah, he's been kicked out. And Taffin's office, it should be said, is... A dilapidated shed with no doors. Yeah, it's windows. like a barn, isn't it's it? It's like a big barn with yeah. no doors. But he set himself up <laughs> with a little desk and some books. Some books, yeah. And a little, um, I think, wasn't there like a porcelain head or something? Something like that. Yeah, to make him look really clever. They don't want him in the pub anymore. No. So they've turned on him like that, and um, he decides to 
go off in his car, and then he meets the hitman who puts a gun to his head. He's going to get out of town. But first of all, Charlotte asked, reasonably, I think, oh, yeah, yeah. why he doesn't use the confession that he got out of Mr. Martin. To which Taffin replies... You could nail Sprawley. You know you could. For what? For bribing a bunch of no account greedy non-entities? There's no proof that he killed Martin. There never will be. Bastards like Sprawley get other people to do their dirty work for them. Their dirty work. Dirty. I love the way he said dirty. Dirty work. <laughs> he just likes to pay the occasional visit to Ireland. Yes, in, he does. With his accent. He does. Bless him. Bastards like Sprawley. And there's, there's one bit as well where it sounds as if he's using the C word. Hmm. For bribing a bunch of no account greedy non-entities? It does sound like that, doesn't it? But it's no account greedy non-entities. Not the C word, that's not... Tapping. Again, you would say, Pierce, could you give us another reading on that? Yeah. No. It's not going to get better than that. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he gets um, the baddie, the trench coat baddie, who he should have killed earlier, like yeah. he said. instead of leaving him in the pond. Gets in the car with him and starts garroting him. Right. And says, drive. And then Pierce puts a gun to his balls. Not his own balls. And they all go to this, like, farm, by the looks of it. Yeah. And they're about to have this kind of standoff. And then we see from a distance, and it explodes. The farm blows up. Everything explodes. Yeah. I don't know why. No, I don't know It's why. never explained. The farm's blown up! Meanwhile, Charlotte has confronted O'Rourke and the locals at the pub to, to admonish them for the yeah. way they've... Quite rightly, I think. Yeah. You spineless bunch of... Walking wonders, she calls them. Mm. Um, so then, Sprawley, he gets a phone call from the hitman. Drives out to meet Deacon. Yeah. But mm. Deacon isn't there. That's right. Taffin is. Taffin. Um, yeah, and then he says, clear my name or I'll kill you. And then he kills him. And then he immediately kills him. Yeah. Cut two. Yeah. Final scene. And what a scene it is. What a scene. The bus station. Yeah. Where Charlotte is waiting to board a bus for pastures new. She's standing in the queue for the bus mm. when someone shoves her from behind yeah she tries to ignore it at first but mm. then it happens again mm. shove and she's furious she mm. spins around to confront the shover guess who it is hmm it's not taffin is it yes it is good grief he's wearing shades mm. big shades as well he's apparently. wearing very big shades mm. and he is apparently unbothered by the fact that his name is not going to be cleared i guess what he's decided is that he and Charlotte are going to board that bus together. Well, there was a conversation earlier, as we touched upon it briefly, that he'd never travelled. He's always stayed in this town. Right. So I guess he's thought, well, if the town don't want me, I'll go. Yeah. I'll go and find... I'll go and be a little fish in a big pond. But none of that... This is the language of cinema at its best, because none of that is stated with words. No. It's all just this lovely moment where Charlotte is about to spin around and say, will you fucking stop shoving me, you cunt? And Taffin says... Be cool, Charlotte. Be cool. Enjoying that. Well, there you go. There's Taffin. We did it. We did it. Wow. We got there in the end. I think, is this podcast even longer than Taffin? <laughs> it might be. Might be. It might be, actually, yeah. Might. We've reached the point of the podcast where I ask quick fire questions. Oh, God. Holy Christ. More? Who's the best Bond and what's the best Bond film? Moonraker and Roger Moore. I oh, mean, yeah. Moonraker contains the immortal a woman. A woman? Yeah. <laughs> Who's the worst Bond or what's the worst Bond film? There's one with a sort of Russian circus thing. Octopussy. Oh, is that the Octopussy? Yeah. 
fucking hell, that is execrable. That was on the other day. and I Yes, it was. It was difficult to sit through. Because usually you leave them on and you think, oh, there's a fun bit coming up, but there was no fun bits. No. Uh, and who's the worst Bond? Well, I think everyone probably has agreed on that. Sean Connery is fucking Yeah, he's fucking dreadful. Well, listen, I'm going to go for Dalton only because I think he disliked me when I worked with him on Hot Fuzz. Really? Yeah, I think he thought I was an anxious little prick. And I was filming a lot of stuff because Edgar said it was okay. Edgar Wright, the director, said it was okay for me to film bits and pieces. They might use it for the DVD. Yeah. But Dalton didn't get the memo, so he thought that I was just like, who the shit is this fucking twat? filming stuff when we're in between takes. Who would you have as James Bond next? Uh, I think Idris Elba. I really think he would be a choice. He would be great. He's fucking great. And I just think that it would be great. Should I say great again? Please. Great. To do another take? Great! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Bond is full of stupid names like Moneypenny, Smallbone and Goodhead. Can you think of a funny Bond lady name? Uh, Fart Pants? Fart pants. Smelina. What? Smelina fart. Smelina fart pants. Yeah. That's good. That's very good. Could you give me your best Bond film title that you've just made up? <laughs> um, Laser Biscuit. Laser Biscuit. Yeah. That's good. Just imagine. Yeah. Watch out. Laser Biscuit. It'd be good for songs as well. Just two questions. Delicious but deadly. There you go. Laser Biscuit. I, I submit that you go and write a song. The outsides are crunchy but the middle is soft, soft. Mm, but deadly yeah. it's a laser biscuit don't risk it bite into it but watch out cause it's got lasers oh the men with blazers are evil cause they're wearing blazers that's gone that's good that's good uh, potentially award winning uh, a hypothetical fist fight takes place between Simon Templer the Saint and James Bond 007, who wins? James Bond. Finally, you're stranded on a desert island with Sean Connery, George Lazenby, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, and Daniel Craig. Who do you elect as leader to devise your rescue attempt? And if it fails, who do you eat first? Well, because I like to look after my stomach, I'm thinking about who I would eat first, and it would be Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. Especially now, because, no disrespect, he seems to be getting a bit doughy, the way that men of a certain, a certain age do. I have no idea what you mean. I would have a little nibble on Daniel Craig's wattle, and I think that would sustain me for quite a while. Yeah, so you'd um, eat Daniel Craig. I'd eat Daniel Craig, yeah. and I would... I'd get Brosnan to... I'd elect Brosnan. Be a leader. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's... I think... I really do think that he seems like a decent guy. Yeah. Everything I've seen of him in real life makes me think, yeah, he's all right. I like him. He was really good in The World's End. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, very funny. Wonderful. Well, Adam Buxton, thank you so much. Hey, thanks, man. For joining us today. And thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheerio. What goes on in this town is none of your business. As long as I'm living here, it is. Then maybe you shouldn't be living here!
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 